Welcome to the AJP podcast, a podcast for pharmacists by pharmacists, where we discuss current events, relevant topics and emerging issues. I'm your host, Carly McMoore, and together with the AJP, I'm bringing you the opinions and expertise of different pharmacists to discuss their views and insights on topics relevant to pharmacists. Please like and rate each episode and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. My name is Nat Copas. I'm an independent pharmacy owner at Tucker Road Pharmacy in Bentley, and this is my 21st year there. Thank you. Um, Nat, can you tell us about what your current working hours are, um, how many extra hours you might be doing in the pharmacy to meet the pharmacy needs, your team support, any challenges you've had hiring staff and extra considerations that you've had as an independent pharmacy owner? So the pharmacy is open for 49 hours a week, um, which is usually myself as the sole pharmacist there. There is uh, Staffing is an issue, which I believe is an issue across the industry at the moment. So I have uh, one full-timer and a number of part-timers, but in an ideal situation, I would have two full-timers and a couple of part-timers. So that just puts a little bit of an extra strain on on everybody having to, to work that little bit harder. Um, and it does make it a bit harder to manage some of the extra services like the vaccination services and to keep those running smoothly when you don't have quite the level of staffing that you'd like. Uh, in terms of admin and, and everything else, there is certainly a, uh, you know, if I could only work 49 hours a week, I would be wrapped. Um, there's definitely hours at the end of the day, at the start of the day um, and on Saturdays before you go home. So we are closed on Sundays, but... Uh, Saturday is certainly not actually a half day. It's I don't like to leave until it's all done and um, there's certainly enough to keep me busy there. Thank you. Can you tell me about some of the challenges you have as being an independency pharmacy owner, especially uh, during COVID and, and now, post-COVID? I think that uh, during COVID it was the independent pharmacy became quite quite a hub it was, it was a place where people would come because we might be the only people that they see face-to-face for the week. Uh, people would even come in to get their prescriptions and say, no, no, I won't get them both today. I'll, I'll come back and get something else in two days because that means I can leave the house again and speak to somebody. It was we not only provided healthcare but we were an important just a check-in point, like a, like a point of social contact, but also just checking in on people's well-being. Um, making sure that, that things were actually going okay, especially for some of our elderly patients who were at home alone, uh, for some of our people who were homeschooling, who were who were tearing their hair out and used to make the kids ride their, their trikes or, you know, scooters down to the pharmacy. Again, it was just, um, it was a real community hub. And I'm not sure if that applied to every pharmacy, but I think any of your local community pharmacies would probably agree that that it was a very important service that you can't really put a, a name to or a price to, um, but it was a pretty integral part of the community. So you would definitely have heard about the 60-day dispensing um, going through with the government, and I guess I would ask you about what you see some of the limitations or challenges might be. One thing that concerns me a great deal is the medication shortages. We've spent the past few years trying our hardest to manage medication shortages, trying to reassure patients. Uh, it's not always as simple as just giving someone a different brand. They might have to change their – they may have had struggles finding something that suited them in the first place and suddenly you have to tell them that not only is it not available but you don't know when it's going to be available again. 
there's a lot of anxiety around that and a lot of confusion for some patients too, especially if they're on a number of medications. So 60-day dispensing sounds great in theory, um, to some people at least, but it's only going to exacerbate this problem that's already been existing for years. You're going to have some patients that get two months' worth and some patients that get nothing. Um, and that does not seem to be commensurate with our uh, equitable access to medications policy that I believe that our healthcare system was based on. Can you share some of your thoughts about the lack of consultation with pharmacy groups and maybe the reliance on other groups for their insights into how the 60-day dispensing should go? I find it very disappointing that the government would make a decision that, that is of this magnitude that creates this level of change without actually consulting with people who are on the coalface. There should have been a process of consultation either with uh, like a, a, you know, a, a group of, of pharmacists that, were, that volunteered to do it. There should have been a public consultation. There should have been inquiry. There's many ways that it could have been managed, but there's absolutely no point making a decision of this nature without speaking to the people who are actually going to be implementing it and talking to the patients who are affected. A lot of this discussion seems to be moving away from, from the patients and patients are confused by what they're seeing and hearing. You know, they don't understand if it started now, what it's going to mean for them, what it's going to mean for their safety nets. Um, it, it seems a very poor decision-making to not speak to the people who are actually involved, which is community pharmacists and patients. So... What do you think it might mean for the patients in both the short term and the long term? I think in the short term it will affect it it will just create extra confusion and add more hours to our day as we're trying to reassure people. It's not even just explaining a lot of the time, it's actually just trying to reassure people that we will be trying to ensure that they have access to their medications as they need them. Um, in the longer term, I do have concerns about exactly how will it affect their safety nets, um, how will it affect their overall um, payments and tie in with their cost of living concerns. But again, the biggest thing is just medication shortages. It's already a problem now. It's only going to get worse. And that does not lead to good patient care. Mm. What do you think about the commentary that we've been hearing from other professionals regarding the 60-day dispensing? I feel like it seems a bit of one-upmanship or schoolyard squabbling some of the time. And again, there's no... It, we're focusing on patients. That's what I'm doing every day when I walk into my pharmacy is, work, is working on trying to keep my patients healthy, happy and living their best quality lives. What is your advice to pharmacists about what they might be able to do now to challenge the 60-day dispensing? I don't know if there's a lot we can actually do to challenge it, but I think that you should never um, just accept it and stop advocating for better outcomes. So it's still worthwhile talking to your MPs. It's still worth talking to um, to your patients about it and asking them to raise their concerns as they see how it plays out. Um there's no point just saying, okay, well, it's been decided, we have to accept it, this is just another, you know, rotten thing that the government's done. Um, they need to understand the reality of it because there's always still scope for change, same as this has been brought about. There's always still scope for, for it, even if not to be reversed, but to be modified as time goes on. In terms of running your pharmacy, just 
plan ahead as best you can. Try to actually speak to your financial advisor or accountant and figure out what impact it is going to have on your pharmacy and then what you can do to to manage it. That was my next question, your advice for pharmacists about how they can prepare for 60-day dispensing. <laughs> do you have any other advice? That... I think just make sure you keep having conversations with your patients. They'll be getting, um, they'll be getting information from a lot of different news sources, um, as some of which will be reported well and some of which will be reported often just ambiguously or not well explained. Um, so make sure you're having those conversations so that so that your patients can see that you are um, trying to do your best for them, that you are trying to prepare things to run as smoothly as possible when these changes take place and just so that they can be across the facts and understand it as well because it can be a little bit scary when they're hearing um, all these different arguments in the media about this is for your, you know, this is the best thing ever, this is the worst thing ever. Um, all of that does is just... Um, takes away from the conversation about patient health. Um, 60 day dispensing affects more people than just the pharmacist and patients such as interns and wholesalers, locums, banks, pharmaceutical industry. I guess I'd ask what impact you think it might have on other industries as well. I think that after the, the COVID years it's already been, banks have already been more hesitant with their with their lending and with their terms. Um, they've already been cautious and, and a little bit hesitant, which just makes it harder for first-time first time pharmacy owners to actually get a foot in the door. Um, again, when there's any sort of uncertainty about what will happen to future um, remuneration or to future income, it's just going to make them tighten their belts even more. So all it does is make it harder and harder for first-time owners to actually you know, go down that pathway um, and that has flow-on effects to the workforce. What are your thoughts about what happened to the workforce? I think our workforce has changed in ways that we don't fully fully understand already after COVID and it's already hard to find staff. It's hard to find full-time staff. It's easier to find part-time staff. It's very hard to find full-time staff. People want to work from home in their pyjamas. And as much as I'd love to do that too, I can't help my customers if I'm sitting at home in my PJs. So um, I think I, I hear stories from other pharmacists about leaving the industry because we've put in the hard yards, we've looked after patients all throughout, throughout COVID, we've been on the front line. And this is, this is the outcome. And, you know, and there are people who are leaving the industry and that's sad because they're usually really good pharmacists who've just had enough. And that's happening more so now that the announcement's been made? I'm certainly hearing more people discussing it. Okay. So the people leaving the workforce... You think they're worried about losing their jobs or it's more the fact that they're thinking that they don't want to be part of a profession where they're treated this way? There's certainly a feeling of not wanting to be part of a profession that is treated that way or this way. Um, but there's also just a feeling that there's not 
you know, pharmacy used to be thought of as a very sort of a, a stable long-term career and now people feel uncertainty. You know, people that may have thought at one point that, you know, they wanted to work and get experience and, and they did have a future dream of, of owning a pharmacy. It feels further and further away from being possible. Um, people are it, – it just doesn't feel stable and I think for, for a lot of people that that's – that's not something that they want to stay with. They would rather be in a profession where they know that, A, they can still be helping people, but they they know what their long-term prospects look like, and that's not the case in pharmacy at the moment. What changes might you be making in your pharmacy as a result of the 60-day dispensing? Uh, I have been obviously thinking about this a lot and, and planning it. It's, it's hard to say uh, for sure, but it certainly... It, it means that we do need to look at our staffing levels, but it also means that you need to look at the other services. Um, on some of the days when I, for example, on some of the days when I do like a real blitz on vaccinations, um, you know, we have another pharmacist there. Um, but the amount that you make from vaccines doesn't cover the wages for another pharmacist. Uh, we do this because it, it makes the process run smoothly. It means that, you know, you can spend that extra bit of time with patients and, and really make sure that they're feeling comfortable about the whole vaccination process, which can be very, like, anxiety-inducing for a lot of people still. Um, but that's... And, and that sort of cross-subsidisation of services is not going to happen if, the, if, if our income levels are reduced. Um, by the sort of amounts that this 60-day dispensing um, will is estimated to bring about. So it means that you have to look at how you run these other services. It, it means that you're not doing the vaccinations half an hour after closing for the needle-phobic child because you won't have another staff member who's, who's staying back with you um, in order to meet, you know, our legal requirements for that. It means... Um, it just means that you have to, I guess, tighten your belt and the only people that lose from that are patients. So there's been some discussions about the aged care funding through community pharmacy as well. Have you had any thoughts about that? I'm not quite as across that as, as, as some other people probably are, but I feel that when the government says that any of the savings that they make through 60-day dispensing is just going to be reinvested in pharmacy. It's always a little bit suspicious when they can't tell us how exactly it's going to be reinvested. And the only thing they've come up with so far is this is this aged care funding. And yet the, the amount they're going to spend on that is not even close to the amount that they're taking out. So are they trying to say that they're equivalent? Are they... Are they trying to just – have they just not come up with how the rest of the money is going to be reinvested? I'd say if this was actually a transparent, straightforward plan that really was about investing money in patient health care, the entire plan would have been released at once because they'd be proud of it. They'd be proud to discuss it and say how they're helping patients. If all you can say is that we're saving money here, we're reinvesting it, mumble, 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 here's this money for aged care – um, that always makes me a little bit suspicious and um, I think it's just a case of trying to take a little bit of the heat off the disadvantages of the 60-day dispensing. How do you feel the future of community pharmacy looks? Community pharmacy will always be there 
there, there is a there is a role for it. It's called community pharmacy for a reason. It's because we are a part of that community, and I'm proud to be a part of that community. Um, it's it's something that that means a lot to me, but I don't like the way that it's changing um, from a from a professional point of view, and I don't like the decisions that are made by government that by people who sit in offices making decisions that that end up affecting people in their homes who are just trying to live happy, healthy lives. So I feel that there is some uncertainty, but pharmacists are a pretty dedicated bunch and we're always going to be there for our community. So I guess that I'd ask, are there any sentiments that you want to share with pharmacists now who are, yeah, like you, trying to gather as much information as possible and make some really um, wise decisions with the information they've gotten to carry on their pharmacies? Um, look after your pharmacies, look after your patients, look after each other um, and look after your patients and just, I guess, know that we're all in it together trying to um, trying to keep community pharmacy and trying to keep our communities afloat. The thing that I was still really interested in is people leaving the workforce and um, the destabilisation now, I guess. So everyone thinks that pharmacy is going to be losing people because of um, having to get rid of staff because you can't afford them. But it sounds like it's prompted more people to also leave because of how pharmacists are seen. And I guess it makes me wonder how pharmacists are seen by the community because community members have stood up and said it's a good idea as well or how pharmacists are seen by other healthcare professionals because it seems like um, this has revealed a lot about how we've been taken for granted and how we've been perceived. I think any community member, any any member of the public who has a good relationship with their pharmacist um, will not hesitate to tell you how important that person is. Anyone with a chronic condition, anyone with a young child, you know, anyone who's looking after an aged parent, um, who's gotten to know their family, you know, their family pharmacist, which still exists, who's gotten to know their community pharmacist and their community pharmacy staff will, you know, will have a positive story, will have a positive impression of um, what what impact that that pharmacist has had on on their sort of health journey. Um, but I think whenever there's changes like this, and it's announced with a lot of very positive spin and the average person is not going to, um, you know, they're not going to come to it from a cynical point of view, looking into it, looking for some darkness to it. They're just going to say, oh, okay, well, this has happened. Um, okay, great, it's supposed to be good for me. And that's that's just we're all time poor and, and you know, we, we believe the information that is out there and that's why it's important for pharmacists to keep having discussions with their patients and explaining what some of these impacts are because whilst it might sound great to say oh well you know I'm time poor I'm looking after my mum who lives seven suburbs away I'm having to rush there great if I can get two months worth of medication I don't have to worry as much about getting there after work um that's all very well while there's still stock on the shelf if you get there and find out that there's no stock and and there's going to be day, you know, emergency doctor's appointments to try to find some sort of alternative. And then, of course, it's very difficult to get into the doctor, so you can't get into the doctor for two weeks. So what's going to happen to 
to your mum who has no blood pressure medication or diabetic medication. It's going to be the pharmacist who's busy sorting that out for you the next day. It's going to be the pharmacist who's following everything up and trying to make sure that that person doesn't go without their medication or that they find an alternative. So I think it's probably a very convoluted answer <laughs> to saying that I, you know, I believe that there is a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of positive feeling towards pharmacists out there from the community, um, but I find it disappointing the attitudes that have been shown by our political decision makers and that lack of consultation and just a general lack of understanding of what we actually do on a daily basis. Is there anything you would like them to know about what we do on a daily basis? Yeah, come and spend a day in the pharmacy. <laughs> yep, I'll very happily take you through the course of my day um, and and talk you through it. And you can see all of the things that we do that that are not a that are not a, a, an A to B type transaction. Um, the the many things that we do to 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 make things run smoothly for patients. The way that we do. Um, you know, I do our best to to accommodate so many little things that go wrong or that are just not straightforward in the course of a day. Um, yep, happy to invite any single MP who was involved in this to come and spend a day. I'll even buy them a coffee. Um, and pharmacy technicians and roles like that, how do you see them possibly changing? Um. I think that probably affects a pharmacy, my pharmacy less than some others, um, but it, it certainly if there will be workflow, um, there will be workflow changes and that will um, impact the ability for some pharmacists to, to hire some people in these positions. People like owners especially, uh, like sole trader type owners will be oh, – potentially looking to take on some more responsibility or some more hours or some more jobs themselves rather than um, rather than having staff to do that. So some of these um, sort of more flexible part-time pharmacy positions may may very well decrease. And again, that's an important part of our workforce is is providing that sort of flexibility of hours. Um, yeah, it's a concern. A lot of the media has been playing up the big pharma, um, the big, um, yeah, the big pharmacy groups and the big banner groups and the little impact it's gonna, or they assume it's gonna make on them, or pharmacists being rich and being, you know, having lots of income. So I guess I'd ask you, um, your view on, yeah, I guess the stigma or the bias on that side because they're only representing what they think one group looks like. Well, unfortunately, they're a pretty loud group in a lot of these uh, a lot of these discussions. Um, but also, they're the groups that are not providing those extra services that your, your general community pharmacy does. Um, I, I I don't think uh, some of those uh, big banner groups that we're talking about are the ones who are, you know, dressing skinned knees for for kids who fell off their bikes, and they're not the ones who are spending an hour and a half doing one vaccination for an incredibly needle phobic patient. Um, you know, they're they're not providing those services, so it may actually have less impact on them. Um, but it's your it's your local community pharmacy that is providing those services, and they're not doing them to make 
you know, uh, to make squillions of dollars because, you know, one Band-Aid that I took out of the first aid cupboard is certainly not making me money. Um, We're doing them because it's about keeping the people that we care about in the community healthy and that's the services that we worry about being impacted. one, One part of this that worries me is that when you keep putting there's only so many hours in a day and when you keep putting more and more strain on on a, on a resource a resource that's already stretched there comes a point at which you have to make a decision about will you do a or b and the the, the pharmacy business that i run i try to make it quite personal i know i know many of my patients i know them across generations of their families and you know we do have I do try to make myself available to my patients, not just to discuss the side effects of their medication, but to discuss all aspects of their of their health and their health care for themselves and their families. So, for example, I recently spent, um, you know, a couple, well over an hour chatting to a patient um, about their about their parents' health and about making decisions around, you know, what is the point at which they should be going into residential care? What is the point at which they can still live at home? But maybe the the trade-off between, you know, physical health and mental health benefits, um, the trade-off between how much time they spend with family as opposed to, you know, having around-the-clock care. There's a lot of questions around that and there's a lot of guilt for family members. There's a lot of trying to make sure that they're doing the best by their family. And these are the discussions that sometimes they need to have with someone external to the family who knows them and who knows the 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 health of their of their parent. And that's something that I'm proud that they would would value my opinion on that situation. And I'm really happy to have those discussions. Um but the more strain you put on a system, on a healthcare system, the pharmacy, community pharmacy system, you have to start. I, I can't imagine ever running my business in such a way that I'm not there to have those discussions for my patients because that's an important part of how I practice my profession. But what starts to happen then is if I'm using my time during the day to have those discussions, then you know, sending off my safety nets, doing my... COVID stock, COVID vaccine stock report for the end of the day, spending time checking multiple different wholesalers to try to find a brand of Telmasartan that's in stock. All of those things have to happen at the end of the day when I've closed the door to the pharmacy. And that means that is in what would otherwise be my downtime or my family time or my volunteering time. And so it, 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 it starts to create some difficult questions around work-life balance because I don't want to work in a profession where I don't feel like I'm doing my best for my patients. I, I wouldn't have chosen pharmacy if I just wanted to work nine to five and walk out the door and not care about it. But there comes a point of how many hours am I going to spend at the other end just trying to make each day work only to go home, get up the next day and do it all again. And that's what I worry when they make these big decisions that in that impact our bottom lines is that it starts to become more and more difficult to make those decisions. And I don't want to be in an industry where I'm not available to have those discussions with patients, where I'm not able to help um, dress a wound, help an anxious patient, um, offer... 
um, offer assistance with, with whatever they need. I want to be available to my patients, but there is a price that we have to pay for that and it becomes more and more difficult the more and more that our bottom line is affected. So I know the government has mentioned um, 300 plus molecules going to 60-day dispensing, but that doesn't affect all molecules. So what might it look like for some patients? I feel like this is the area where it's going to create a little bit of confusion because um, and, and where it's, it's almost a false economy to say that you're saving people time and money because, sure, they might be able to come every 60 days to get their blood pressure medication, for example, but a lot of patients have quite complex healthcare needs and they, they are on a number of different medications of different varieties. So they might be coming in every 60 days for that item, but their eye drops might run out every 20 days and their sleeping pills might run out every 12 days and their asthma inhalers are every 35 days and... So they're still going to be coming into the pharmacy at odd times. All you've done is made a difference to one of their prescriptions. So, yep, there may be a, an advantage for the, the small percentage of the population that is just on one medication that happens to fit in one of these 60-day molecules. Um, and, and, again, these are the people who are not, who don't have complex health care needs um, and have you know, it has it certainly has less impact on them. But on a lot of other people, they're not going to necessarily understand why they can't get everything 60 days worth. And some things is not even a case of getting two lots. It might be a case of, well, I would need four lots of this to be 60 days and three and a half lots of this and 1.7 lots of this. So I feel like it's just creating a confusion. It's already hard enough sometimes to, to try to keep patients aligned. Like the number of times people come in and say, here are all my scripts. Can you align them so that, you know, I only need to come in once a month or once every two weeks? Um, it's just going to be a circus, basically, um, for patients that have medicines that run out at odd amounts of times. Not everything lasts for 28 days or 30 days. Can you tell us what the um, potential is for patient confusion with the advent of 60-day dispensing? Sure. Um, there are – my concern is that you've got people who have a range of different medications um, and, and the patients who are at risk of this are our more vulnerable patients. There are patients who are already on multiple medications who might be subject to, you know, being looked after by multiple different healthcare professionals, um, you know, their GPs and their specialists, so they're already subject to medication changes along the way. They're subject to maybe the odd hospital admission and then having their medications changed again in those situations. Um, they're, they're, they're patients who already have, like, fairly complex healthcare needs um, so then you you add in the situation where they've got larger numbers of medication at home and you know they might and especially with the medication shortages they might have multiple brands of the same medication so they've got some left of brand a from their last dispensing um, in this dispensing because of the shortage they've got two separate brands now they have three brands of the same medication um, these may have different appearances. They may be different colours or different shapes. So, um, you know, again, if you're only on one medication, it's not a big deal. Um, but if you're on 10 medications or 15 medications and you multiply that by multiple different brands and, and just different boxes, different everything, then it's just a recipe for confusion. And that 
becomes a recipe for compliance issues and 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 the the opportunity for medication misadventure and again who loses out there is the patients who are usually doing their best to to manage their medications no you know none of them are, are wanting to to make errors they want to stay at home they want to stay healthy um but yet it can be quite overwhelming to have lots of different packets lots of different looking tablets um and 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 that's certainly a concern we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the AJP podcast. If you have any thoughts, comments, or suggestions about this episode, please visit the AJP website forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation. If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please follow us on Twitter at AJP Podcast and send us a message.